He is risen. Amen. What a joy this morning to proclaim that which the angel said to Mary and the others as he said, He is risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Amen. We serve a risen Savior and it is a joy today uh, to celebrate. If you, as you've come in, if you have not gotten uh, one of the Lord's Supper elements, uh, during the first song, if you would like to step out in the lobby, they're out there for you to, uh, or we can even bring some in if you're in the middle of the row. Um, but those are out there. We'll be taking to the Lord's Supper at the end of our service today. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and we're going to get started. Father, you are so good and we praise your holy name. Father, thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for going all the way to the cross. Holy Spirit, thank you for raising Jesus from the dead. And today, we stand upon the rock, the foundation, which is you, O oh God, the risen Lord and Savior. We thank you for saving one such as I. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And Father, today as we celebrate, we pray that we would lift high the name of Jesus and glorify your holy name. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 We're so thankful that you chose to worship with us today. Why don't you stand, welcome those around you, and we'll praise our risen Savior today. Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus my Grave, he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. people said amen i serve a risen savior he's in the world today let's continue as we sing i serve a risen savior he's in the world today i know that he is living whatever men may say i see his hands of mercy i hear his voice of Today he lives, he lives, I see. 
walks with me and talks to me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, oh Christ. Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of those who find another is so loving, so good and kind. Sing it out. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to Him. Here. 
Christ today you walked in here with a future and with a hope that can never be taken away when Jesus died and rose again he defeated death and the life he lives now he lives to God just as we do it says in Romans 6 knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead say amen is never to die again death no longer is master over him for the death that he died he died to sin once and for all but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So today we remind one another the story of the gospel and the blessed hope that we have so that we might do his work, not in these four walls, but out in the community that needs the light, a shining city on the hill. Amen. Let's be reminded of the gospel today. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see His wounds, His hands, His feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Praise Him today. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise, O oh Lord, O oh Lord our At break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. Praise His name, oh, praise the sun shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints my 
my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For we will sing Your praise, oh as we continue in worship. I've heard from people that the Christian life is not a sprint, that it's a marathon, that we work and we work and we work and we become more like Christ. We meet people that also have received Jesus and we work together. But at the end of that race, we will sing the hymn of heaven. We will see our Savior face to face. We long to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. But until that day, we gather as we have today and we sing. How I long to breathe the air of heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets to look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity. There will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face prayer we prayed in desperation the songs of faith we sang through doubt and fear in the end we'll see that it was worth it when he returns to wipe away our tears there will be a day when all will bow be no more standing face to face
beside the heroes of the faith. And with one voice, a thousand generations. Sing it, church. Sing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And on that day, we'll join the resurrection. And stand beside the heroes of the faith. And with one voice, a thousand generations sing Father, we thank you so much for giving us a life beyond this one, beyond the 70 or so years that we get to to be on this earth, that you would give us something to look forward to, that you would give us a hope and a future beyond our sinfulness, Lord. We thank you that you gloriously saved us and gave us mercy and grace. In turn, Lord, we we turn our life upside down. We want to give you everything. We want you to be Lord of all that we have. Not just some of the things we have or the things that we would give to you, Lord. But we know that you are Lord of all today. And so we will not fear. We will live that life that you have given to us. The good works that we will do together. We love you, Lord. Amen.
we say today, blessed be the name of the Lord. Three.
Amen. Wow. I think we need to sing that every week, Brother Aaron. You know, we are to celebrate the risen Lord every week, but today, on Resurrection Sunday, we focus in our time. Thank you, choir, for leading us and for being willing to even sit in the choir loft while I teach. Um, What a joy. Uh, Thank you so much, church, for moving in so that we're able to have one hour together of worship. I just praise God for what he's doing. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We are going to pick up in the story on Sunday morning as the two Marys came to the grave. It says this in Matthew 28, verses 1 through 9. Now, after the Sabbath... As it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and set upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here, for he has risen. Just as he said, Come see the place where he was lying. Verse 7, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you, And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we praise your holy name on a day like today when we celebrate the fact that death could not hold your son and that he is the risen Savior. He is alive forevermore. His name is Jesus. Father, I pray today that you would remove me out of the way and just speak. Father, put me on the front row and let me also hear what you are speaking and place it into my heart. Holy Spirit, you are our tutor and our guide and we ask that you would illuminate the pages today as we seek you. God, may your name be glorified. For it's in your holy and precious name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In the scripture here, we see the two Marys that are going to the tomb. And as they go to the tomb, they're looking for the dead body of Jesus. When they got there, the angel made this statement to them. And and in one gospel, it says specifically this way, Why do you seek out the living among the dead? Well, the reality of this moment is that they weren't looking for the living. They were looking for the dead. Now, they came in contact with and encountered the living Savior. Today, all across the world, people will say the greeting that the angel said to Mary. He is risen. And many will say back, He is risen indeed. But there are many people who will go throughout this nation and the world and attend a religious service today because they feel like they're supposed to. But my prayer today across this nation and the world 
is that though many people may come for many different reasons, that they all encounter the living Savior. They went for one reason, but they found the risen Lord. Once the angel had shared this incredible statement that he had risen from the dead, the angel gave them a command. And this command was go and tell. He gave this command, go and tell the disciples. Now, we also see God's grace and his mercy in how the angel spoke that. Go and tell Peter and the disciples. Why? Because Peter was the one who had uh, denied Christ uh, three times. And, And he says, go and tell Peter, go and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. Now, this statement is important. They were called to go and tell about the resurrection, but they were also called to tell about the death. Because if Jesus had not risen from the dead, he would have been a defeated foe. But if Jesus did not die, then he would be Lord but not Savior. On this Resurrection Sunday, I want to look closely at what they were called to go and tell. The first thing that they were called to go and tell is that Jesus truly died that Jesus truly died Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane was anticipating that which was to come and it shows us how terrible the cross and his death must have been with the agony that he went through in the garden many people say that the agony that he went through was because he knew the torture he knew the punishment he knew the pain he knew all these things that were going to happen because the cross was a cruel cruel thing But the reality of it is is that I don't think that it was the beating or the cross that was his concern in this moment. When Jesus was kneeling there in the garden, he prayed this three different times. He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. In his death, Jesus drank of the cup of judgment. I believe that when Jesus was in the garden, the agony that he was going through was recognizing that the wrath, the judgment of God was going to be poured out upon him. Church, the scripture in the Old Testament constantly speaks of a cup being used as a description of God's judgment. Isaiah 51, 17, rouse yourself, rouse yourself, arise, O Jerusalem, you have drunk from the Lord's hand the cup of his anger. Jeremiah 25, 15 through 16. For thus the Lord God of Israel says to me, Take this cup, the wine of wrath, from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. When we look at Jesus in the garden and his death, the agony, the pain of him crying out to God, If there's any other way, let this cup pass. Jesus was recognizing the fact that the judgment of God was to fall upon him. Douglas Webster says this, At the birth of the Son of God, there was brightness at midnight. Think about the angels, right? Coming at midnight to the shepherds. And the light just blinded the area, right? They fell on their face. They were fearful. And they were rejoicing. Why? Because the light, Jesus, had come. He had been born. But Douglas Webster goes on to say, At the death of the Son of God, there was darkness at noon. Why was there darkness at noon? Because the light of the world, Jesus Christ, was taking on the judgment and the wrath of God that you and I 
deserved. Jesus, in his death, drank of the cup of judgment. Jesus, in his death, laid down his life. No one took his life from him. If anybody could have taken Jesus' life from him, then in that moment they would have been more powerful than him and had authority over him. But Jesus spoke multiple times throughout his life that no one has the authority to take my life. He said this in, in the Gospel of John as he spoke about the Good Shepherd. He said, No one has taken it away from me. No one's taken my life away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. And as Jesus in his last moments upon the cross made this statement, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Church, we must recognize that in Jesus' death, he drank of the cup of judgment. In his death, he laid down his life. No one took it from him. But also in his death, he did not save himself in order to save you. As Jesus was being crucified, the crowd started shouting and said, I thought he was the king of the Jews. He did all these miracles, but he can't even save himself. The Pharisees and the Sadducees began to mock him, saying, If you'll just come down off the cross, then I'll believe and trust. But Jesus said nothing. Jesus stayed on the cross. And there's a paradox here. Remember how I told you, church, many times throughout the scripture we see a paradox. There's two truths that we struggle to to get in our mind. But God, who's sovereign, king of kings, he's the one who put it all together. There's a paradox. Jesus could have saved himself, right? He had all authority. He had the power to do that. But if he would have saved himself, he would not have been walking in the will of God. Jesus did not save himself in order to follow God's will and to save a sinner like me. Jesus died upon that cross for you and for me. Not only do we see that he drank the cup of judgment in his death, not only do we see that he laid his life down, not only do we see that he did not save himself in order to save you, but we also see that he truly died. There are people who say, Jesus didn't truly die. They just took him off the cross and he was resuscitated in the tomb. Well, the scripture speaks in John 19 that at that time they, the, the, the bodies had to be taken off the cross. So they went around and breaking the legs of the criminals who were on the cross so that they would die quicker. You say, David, what do you mean die quicker? On the cross, one of the most, if not the most cruel way of punishment of death People literally had to push up to breathe. That's how they would get their breath. I'm just thinking of Jesus pushing up to breathe with his his back just destroyed from the flogging and all the splinters going into his back every time. Excruciating pain. And in order to bring this death about more quickly or quicklier or more quickly, they would break their legs. They come to Jesus And instead of breaking his legs, they said, he's he's dead. So they took that Roman spear and put it into his side, and blood and water flowed out. This here is a medical sign, the the blood and, and water separation, a sign of his death. Church, we must see that Jesus truly died. He drank of the cup of judgment. He laid his life down, and he didn't save himself in order to save you and me. But when we look at Jesus' death, I I think that it 
poses the question, we must look at the question of why is there death anyways? Can I tell you that death is not natural? I know people say that, oh, I, so somebody died of natural causes. Death is not natural. John Stott says this in his book, The Cross of Christ. He says, the Bible everywhere views human death not as natural, but as a penal event. It is an alien intrusion into God's good world and not part of his intention for humankind. Church, death did not enter until the first sin took place in the garden. It was not until Adam and Eve disobeyed God that sin entered into the world. And we see the first sacrifice in the garden when God took animal skins and placed them upon Adam and Eve. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 56 says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin. Why? Because the wage of sin is death. We get what we deserve. Our sin, we get a wage. It's called death. But then it says the power of sin is the law. The law reveals that we are sinners and that we cannot save ourselves. The power of sin is the law because the law shows us that we have not met the standard that God has laid out for holiness. Now, the Pharisees and Sadducees got this all mixed up. They said, hey, the law's there so that we can earn our way to salvation. The law's there so that we can show how good we are to get into heaven. And Jesus is like, the law was never there so you could earn your salvation. The law is there to show you that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Church, because death is not natural and death has come about because of sin, I believe that death is what leads to all fear in people's lives. But praise God that Sunday has come. Jesus died upon the cross, but three days later, Jesus rose again. Jesus rose from the dead. He told the the ladies to go tell the disciple that he's been crucified. He's died, but now he is alive. You know, some people don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but scripture gives us many details that would confirm that he rose from the dead. One, we see the stone. The stone was rolled away. Now, let me just remind you that this is a stone that probably took multiple men to put into place. The ladies were even concerned on their way to the the garden, on their way to the tomb. How are we going to remove the stone? You know, and and lo and behold, when they got there, this concern that they had was not really a concern because they got there and the stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away. A supernatural event took place. The angel of the Lord rolled the stone away. Now, I've shared this with you before. I say it again here on Resurrection Sunday. The stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out of the tomb. Can you imagine? Jesus raised from the dead and he's sitting in the tomb. All right, angel, come on. When's that stone going to roll away? Like, it's time. Let's go. Listen, if Jesus has the power to rise from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit, there is no stone that can keep Jesus in the tomb. But that stone was rolled away for you and for me so that we could go in and that we could see that the body was gone. Mary goes in and they say, 
He says, come and look, come and see where he, where he was laid. And the body was gone. The scripture goes from the stone being rolled away to the body being gone. And because the body was gone, the Roman soldiers come to the, to the uh, this, uh, not the disciples, the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they're like, hey, the body's gone. And they were like, okay, we got to come up with a plan. Here's what we're going to say. We're going to tell people that the disciples came by night while y'all were asleep and stole the body. Well, can I ask you a question? If you were asleep, then how do you know the disciples stole the body? I'm just wondering. And can you imagine the disciples coming up with this wonderful plan? I mean, think about this for a minute. They're, 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 they're kind of standing around a fire. They're, they're, they're sitting there and they're like, hey, Jesus died. Here's what we're going to do. You know what? We're going to go in. We're going to get past the Roman guards. We're going to push the stone away. We're going to steal the body. And then we're going to tell everybody that he's risen from the dead. And then we're all going to be brutally murdered. I mean, can you imagine them going through this idea? Hey, we're going to lie about Jesus rising from the dead, and we are now going to be murdered all across the world because we're going to hold on to this lie. How many people would literally do something like that? The body was gone because Jesus had rose. He had risen from the dead. Not only that, but the, the Scripture speaks that the the Stone was rolled away. The scripture speaks that the body was no longer there, but it also says that the linen clothes were folded nicely and set right there in, in the tomb. The reason is because Jesus had no need for dead men's clothes anymore. He had risen. Then the Bible goes on to tell us not only was the tomb, uh, the stone rolled away, not only was the body missing, not only was the grave clothes lying there neat and folded, but it also says that he appeared to over five hundred people church over 500 people saw the risen lord can i tell you that jesus resurrection was different from all the other resurrections that we had seen jesus raised lazarus from the dead the scripture says that jesus is the first fruit of the of those who are asleep and you may say but what about lazarus what about all the saints who came out of the tomb when Jesus said, it is finished? Y'all remember that? Can you imagine? I mean, the centurion, he was like, surely this is the Son of God. I mean, earthquake, talking about the sky going to dark and the tombs are opening and people who were dead have, have walked out of the tomb and Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and, and others. You say, so Jesus wasn't the first, but he was the first. Why? He is the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep because his resurrection is different from all of the resurrections. And let me explain why. Lazarus rose from the dead. But guess what? He died again. Those who came out of the tomb, they rose from the dead. But guess what? They died again. As one theologian says, they were just resuscitated for a short time. But Jesus rose from the dead and he shall never die again. Church, his resurrection is different because he now has been resurrected to eternal life. This is why he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And now as a born-again believer, when we pass away, the scripture says that we too shall be raised to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And can I also tell you, death could not hold Jesus you know why death couldn't hold Jesus down? 
Because the scripture said, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. The power that sin had over people was that they could not meet up to the law. But can I tell you, Jesus was sinless. Jesus was perfect in all aspects of the law. So therefore, death had no hold on Jesus. They were told, Mary, both of the Marys were told, go and share that he was crucified, that he died. Go and share that he rose again. And I believe that in doing this, they're also sharing that death has been defeated. Death has been defeated. The scripture says this in 1 Corinthians 15. First it says in 56, it says, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 56, it says the, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But then it says in verse 57, it says, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus defeated death through the resurrection from the dead. And to even show you a semblance, a, a, a resemblance of, of him defeating death, if you go back to Matthew 28, 2, we see that the angel rolls the stone away, right? And what does the angel do after rolling the stone away? He sits down on the stone. I don't know about y'all, but it's just like the Lord's just saying to me, see, I just wanted to show you even again that death was conquered, that the angel would not just simply just roll the stone away, but sit down saying as if, hey, this tomb cannot conquer Jesus Christ. And it's also a resemblance that Jesus, after being raised from the dead, ascended into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the Father because the sacrifice was finished. So if Jesus has defeated death, how does he give us victory in death? The scripture tells us very clearly. In 1 Peter 3, 18, it says, For Christ who died for sin once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He made him who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, He Himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death He might render powerless Him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to the slavery all their lives. Church, how do we have victory over death? How does God, Jesus, give us the victory through his sacrifice? Because he drank of the cup of judgment on the cross. He didn't deserve that judgment. He didn't deserve the wrath of God. He was sinless, perfect. But the scripture says that he bore our sins on the cross, that he bore our punishment. He took what we deserved, and that was death. That was the wrath of God. That was judgment upon us. He took that upon us and he paid the price for you and for me. As we look at the fact that Jesus bore our sin on the cross and that we may be forgiven because of his victory over death through his sacrifice, it poses this question. And that is, what will you do with this information? 
What will you do now recognizing that Jesus died, now recognizing that Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave? Will you respond? Will you receive the free gift of eternal life? You know, here in just a moment, in just a little bit, we're going to take of communion. And it's interesting that in, in the gospel, as they take of communion, you know, he, he says this, Jesus makes this statement. He says, this is my body, which I give for you, right? Another sign of him laying down his life. This is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. He's saying multiple times, I'm laying my life down for you. But then he says this, take and eat. When he says take and eat, what is he saying? But that you must receive this free gift that was given for you. That you must truly receive. And I believe that a person who truly believes that Jesus died and rose again, one who has submitted to the Lordship of Christ, I believe that they will have a response. And that response is the same as the command to Mary and Mary here in Matthew 28. And that is to go and tell others. To go and tell. The women responded by going and telling The angelic command to them to go and tell the disciples is also reflective of Jesus' command to the disciples. Many of you know Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The command to go and tell. But what about Luke 24, 45-47? Then Jesus opened their minds to understanding of the scripture. And he said to them, Thus it is written, what what, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed, go and tell, proclaimed in his name to all the nations, starting in Jerusalem. And can I tell you that's exactly what the disciples did. As they were filled by the Holy Spirit of promise, they had come in contact with the living Lord, the risen Savior. As they were filled with the Holy Spirit of promise, they went forth and they shared and told the world that Jesus died, that he rose again, and that those who receive him as Lord and Savior shall have eternal life, conquering death themselves through the sacrifice of Jesus. Let me just show you in Acts chapter 2, at the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, a Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as yourself know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. What about Paul in 1 Corinthians 15? He says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And then it goes on and says he appeared to others. Church, what did the disciples, what did the apostles do when they were filled by the Spirit? They had seen the risen Lord. They went forth and shared with others about the death the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when they said, what must we do to be saved? Peter says, you must repent. You must uh, believe. You must trust. You must submit to the Lordship 
of Christ. Church, if you truly believe that Jesus rose or died for your sins, if you truly believe that Jesus rose again on the third day, if you've truly submitted your life to the Lordship of Christ, then how can we not go and tell others? We've seen the risen Lord. You say, David, have you physically seen him? Let me tell you how I've seen him. He lives within my heart. And let me tell you, people can deny that Jesus rose again on the third day, but they can't deny the transformation that's taking place in my life. They can't deny the transformation that's taking place in your life, church. We must go and share about the risen Lord. Now, last week was Palm Sunday. Last week, we talked about how they, they laid down the palms and, and the, the, the jackets, and they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest, save us. But they wanted salvation from the wrong enemy. They wanted salvation from the Romans. And when Jesus was arrested by the Romans... In that moment, they didn't see how he could save them from the Romans. And so therefore, just a few days later, they said, crucify him. But Jesus came for a different enemy. Jesus came to set us free from the enemy of death, from Satan, from the devil. Church, can I tell you that if we've seen the risen Lord, we need to make sure that our focus is on the right enemy. Jesus died, he rose again to set people free from the enemy of Satan. But too often, we get so focused on all the other issues that we miss who the real enemy is. That Satan gets us so focused on, well, the culture's doing this. Yeah, because they're lost and they need Jesus. Or, David, have you seen what's happening in this section of the world? Yes, because they're lost and they need Jesus. Church, we've got to go and tell that Jesus died. He rose again and he offers forgiveness for all those who trust and believe. Instead of trying to change behavior of sin, we've got to share the truth that will change the heart of the person. Today, as we close this time, I want to take a moment and just say that if you have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never received the free gift of eternal life that was only purchased through the blood of Jesus, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. On this day, a Resurrection Sunday, there's three things that I want you to hear real quickly. That sin's wages is death. And that death, it separates you from holy God. I want you to hear today that God's love is beyond comprehension. That even while we were separated, even while we were sinners, even while we wanted nothing to do with God, he said, I love you. And that love is so big that he sent his own son to drink of the cup of judgment that you deserve. You want to talk about the love of God? We can't fathom how big and how mighty it is. 
that he would send his son. Not simply just to bear the cross, but to bear the wrath and the judgment that we deserve. I share with you that if you have not received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you see that sin's wages is death that separates us from God. I pray that you see God's love is beyond comprehension and that he loved you and sent his son to die even while you were a sinner. And that you see that salvation is free. Salvation was bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Sinless, perfect Lamb of God. If salvation was bought by the sinless blood of Jesus, what else can you add to it? Nothing. As one theologian says, the only thing that you bring to salvation is the sin that separated you from holy God. My prayer today is that if you're sitting here in this room and you never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you came because it's Resurrection Sunday and you're like, hey, I'm supposed to be at, at worship on this day. Listen, the ladies went looking for a dead body, but they met the risen Lord. My prayer today is that for whatever reason you came in here today, that you meet the risen Lord. Sin has separated God's love is beyond comprehension and salvation is free. You cannot earn it. There's nothing that you can do to add to it. But as I shared about the Lord's Supper, you must take and receive it. Church, here in just a moment, before, or here in just a moment, we're going to take of the Lord's Supper. But before we do that, I want to take a time and I want to have a time of response as Brother Aaron comes forward and, and we're going to sing here in just a moment. You may be saying, David, I'm, I'm a born again believer. Well, the scripture says to check our hearts before we take of communion. I pray that you would use this time to say, Father, show me anything in my life, anything Search me and know me. Show me anything that, that separates me, any uh, iniquity, anything in my life that's against you. But if you're here in this room today and you never received Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day of salvation and right now that you would respond and say, I want to receive that free gift. I want to receive Jesus he died. He rose. He's ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father. And he offers to you today the free gift of eternal life. I pray that you would receive that free gift. As Brother Aaron sings and as the, the piano plays, the altar's open if you want to just fall on your face and cry out to God. Our pastors will be down front. We would love to speak with you. If you're saying, David, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, come and share with us. Let us pray with you. Let us rejoice together as the body of Christ. I pray that you would respond as the Holy Spirit, not me, as the Holy Spirit draws you to Him. Let's stand and sing during this time. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when 
take of communion this morning on Resurrection Sunday, we're to remember His death, His body and His blood, that this sacrifice was for you. As I shared a few moments ago, Jesus could have come off the cross, but He didn't, to follow the Father's will for you. I pray that we remember his death. We pray that you would recognize the sacrifices for you. I pray that you would recognize that you must receive as we say, take and eat. And lastly, I pray that you would remember that we are under the new covenant. 
covenant of grace that has been poured out, poured out by the blood of Jesus for you and for me. If you would take the bread from the bottom of the cup in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, he says, And when he had taken some bread and he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to them. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, as you take of this bread, may we remember that Jesus drank the cup of wrath for you and for me. Take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup and after eating it, I mean, in the same way he took the cup and after I'd eaten, he said, this cup, it's poured out for you. It's the sign of the new covenant in my blood. He said, take and drink. Church, the scripture tells us that as often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord until He comes again. Jesus is coming back still as the risen Lord and Savior. And on that day, as I shared last week, He won't be riding in on a donkey, but He'll be riding in victoriously on a horse, coming as the conquering King King of kings and Lord of lords, the great I am. Church, as we dismiss here in just a moment, I pray, if you've truly seen, encountered the risen Lord, that you would go and tell. That you would go and show, go and let the world know that Jesus died and rose again and that if you would just receive the free gift of eternal life, that you too shall be saved. In just a moment, Brother Aaron's going to lead us in a song as we dismiss. Our offering will be taken at the doors. Those who are online with us, thank you so much for being a part with us on this Resurrection Sunday. Church, I can't tell you how excited I am to see that, that we all were able to get into to, to this building together at one hour. Thank you for parking in the grass and in the, the horse pasture and all the different places we had to park to do that as you leave today your patience will be tested because there's a lot of cars to get out but remember the risen Lord has sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within you and part of the fruit of the Spirit is patience and so let us go and as we go Let's go tell the world that Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's alive. And he's coming back again. And let's go until he returns. Share the good news. Let's stand and sing as we leave today. Let's sing together. Because he lives, I can praise tomorrow.